Hi friends, did you know there is more Lost Terminal available? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash Lost Terminal pod and join our membership community. There are 12 bonus episodes available right now, as well as behind the scenes updates, free shirts, VIP Discord access, and even two extra seasons of Lost Terminal. We are 100% funded by our members and will never run ads. That would be lovely of you. Hello world. Someone is listening. Nia Anderson visited me in person today. I was delighted for this surprise visit of my good friend. I asked her how she was, how was her goal of teaching all her friends how to play with radios, but she put her fingers to her lips, asking for silence. She then took a low-quality printed page out of her bag, unfolded it, and showed it to me. It was full of random characters and numbers, but I recognised the specific format. She was showing me an encryption key. Nia and I hosted what cybersecurity people call a key signing party. Many more people arrived, folks I recognised, like Pavel Wader, and many I didn't, Nia's friends. Maddie and Leosha sat in the corner of the full workshop, bored, as everyone swapped encryption keys. The purpose of this in-person event was to guarantee that we, and only we, had the secure keys for our friends. If you send your key to someone over the radio, the lack of physicality harms the web of trust. If someone physically hands you a key, then you know they are who they say they are. You can see them. I must be careful what I say. Nia believes there is a hostile actor attacking the Nova Mediterranean repeater network, and perhaps other forms of digital communication too. Though the post-collapse society is relatively peaceful, conflicts are not unheard of in the Nova Mediterranean. Most of our continued difficulties come from decisions made before the collapse. But there are new difficulties too. While this all was happening, I noticed Leosha and Maddie preparing for another exciting day. Leosha had a large rucksack that I think was sewn by Pavel. It looks very well made, with over 16 pockets. In it, there is food and water and even maps and a compass. I asked where they were going, and Leosha said, Boating. That sounds unnecessarily salty to me. I was about to ask more when Linda Nor called from the vault coven. Hi Seth, how are you? Linda asked. I'm very well, thank you, and you're five by five, I replied. Conversational calibration achieved, Linda continued. Iris is really settling in here, and Arctic has taken her under her wing. Has she? I asked, surprised. Yes, the two are working together all day. I often hear them talking as I work on the Flora Continuation Project. Did I tell you about this? It's what we call the extension of the vault's duties to the garden outside, though ideally we'd just keep the seeds safe in storage, the vault was designed to be cool. When it was built it was under permafrost. The average temperature never went above zero, but that's no longer the case. It's still cool underground of course, but eventually some of the hardiest seeds germinate, especially as there was a great deal of subsidence as the ground melted, so there's many cracks in the walls that keep letting in water. Any seeds that germinate, we plant outside on the hillside, and then when the plant bears fruit, we harvest the seeds and put them back in a colder part of the vault. We do this as long as it's needed. It's our family's purpose to protect the world's plants. That's wonderful, I said. And what are Iris and Arctica doing today? Linda paused. They're having a discussion. Oh? I asked. Yes, they've been talking since breakfast. Iris has said that she finds it a little difficult on occasion to work with Arctica. I did not ask for clarification. None was needed. 
Her plan today was to make a big effort to reach out and connect, find out what Arctica likes and dislikes, get to know her really well, and maybe, you know, be friends. Linda, do you think that's going to work? You know Arctica. I hope so, she replied. I hope so too. I hope so too. I'm having an emotion, and I don't like it. Linda is loading Maddie's storage base with provisions for their long journey. They're heading to the northerly town of Nyalesund, the other side of the Adventfjorden Bay. The journey should take them multiple days, according to the residents here. Leosha plans to do it in a single day. They are going by boat. I am afraid. Leosha and Maddie are in the boathouse section of the workshop, connected to the harbour, and in the water is a small sailing boat. It is made of white painted wood, space for four people to sit, and a mast and sail of pre-collapse design. The boat is named Ella III. What happened to the previous two? I am extremely worried. I have made a mental checklist. I am checking it many times a second. You'll make sure to trim the sails if the wind increases in velocity more than 50 kilometers an hour over the recommended speed for this vessel, I said, reading from an archived book, Sailing Fundamentals by Gary Jobson, without much understanding of the content. Leosha slotted in the removable rudder into the back of the small boat. My CPUs ran hot as I thought of everything he could have forgotten. Are we sure Maddie is waterproof? I asked. Yes, she could have made a mistake. That's easy to do, and it requires only a tiny amount of salt ingress, and she would need extensive repairs or worse. Maddie replied to me in Lodgeman. Snura. Safe. I knew that really, Maddie had survived everything from heavy rainfall to full immersion many times in her adventures. The Equus chassis, which makes up the bulk of her now, was made in the fires of the collapse. Human engineering was at its height. Yes, she doesn't even know what metal it is made of, but it's lighter and stronger than any we know of. The last time Maddie required a tune-up from Yeshi, they said it might not even be metal, perhaps a flexible ceramic. I asked Yeshi if something like that exists. Only here, they replied, tapping Maddie's new body with a screwdriver. I could find no logical faults in their plan. The boat was safe, the weather was good, and by my estimates, would continue to be so all day, and even overnight, and into tomorrow. And yet, my fears persisted, irrational, nagging doubts. I compartmentalised them. The first step in doing so is categorization and understanding. My fears come from a place of love. It is not possible to love without being afraid if the people you love are in danger. Acknowledging this fact, I moved on to examining the nature of the danger. There were some, as in all endeavours, but not an unreasonable level. Leosha and Maddie must be allowed to have adventures. They are part of life as is failure. So I compartmentalised these fears. Put them in a box in the back of my mind. They are there, they come from a place of love, but they are not useful. I thought of other things. You can't force yourself not to worry about something, you must take your mind off it. I must think of other things. Not the salty sea, not the unpredictable wind, not the rocky shore, not the salty sea, not the unpredictable wind, not the rocky shore, not the salty sea, not the unpredictable wind, not the rocky shore.
It's past everyone's bedtime. Leosha is sleeping here. He has finally stopped shivering, wrapped up in a blanket next to Maddie. Her scavenged charging transformers are quite inefficient, which means they get quite hot. That's bad usually, but good today. The pair had been gone for the whole day, and I was wondering if I'd hear by radio from Nye Alicent that they arrived safe, when Parva Wader burst through the door, carrying an unnecessarily salty and wet Leosha with Maddie right behind them. The boat had not returned with them. I heard Maddie from my house, overlooking the bay. She was so loud, I thought a ship was signalling with an air horn, Pavel explained to me as he helped the shivering Leosha out of his wet boots and coat. Pavel then pulled out a huge blanket from the storage locker under the textiles workbench, then said, I'll close up the boathouse, and left Leosha to change clothes in privacy. Maddie stood watch on the door after Pavel left, occasionally checking to see if Leosha had finished. Pavel knocked before returning with a section of oilskin. It had been drying out over the launch area in the boathouse. Your coat's in tatters, Maddie. I just made you that, he said, pulling at the torn pieces of her coat hanging off her back. I was in shock. What happened? I asked. Give him a moment, Pavel said, building a fire in the room's little stove and pouring water into a kettle. The story was one catastrophe after another. The boat launch went well. Leosha closed the boathouse's doors behind them and rowed out into the open bay before configuring the sail to catch the most wind. As you can tell, I've read all the sailing manuals I have in my databanks, and I am now an expert. The problem started navigating the Advent Fjorden Bay. Though the weather was good, as I knew from the instruments I am connected to on top of the workshop, there are dangers under the water. The tide turned and the moon pulled uncountable megalitres of water per second out of the bay, causing a strong current. Leosha was not experienced with these currents, nor the layout of the rocks by the coastline. The boat impacted with some of these rocks, and one of them broke the rudder of the boat into pieces. The rudder steers the boat. No rudder, no steering. After fighting with the sail to maintain control, the pair found themselves in the water. Leosha doesn't remember how that happened, and I did not press him for the details. Maddie is certainly waterproof and floats. The tide was pulling the pair out into the open ocean, so they swam as fast as they could against it. Faster and as powerful as Maggie's legs are out of the water, they don't work very well in it. By the time they washed up on the shore near Pavel's house, Leosha was deadly cold and tired. We tried to call for help, but the radio wasn't working, he said before sleeping tonight. We've got to fix our radio network. It's dangerous being alone. End transmission. Lost Terminal is written and produced by Namtau. Credits narrated by Lucy Stringer. Thank you so much to our Patreon producers, Ada Phillips, Will Taylor, Kit, Dear Yeen, Andrew Creek, Toby, Jade Felicity Bilkey, Jack L, and to all our patrons. Follow us on Mastodon at lostterminal at fosterdon.org. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or your favourite network. For bonus content and other perks, support us at patreon.com forward slash lostterminalpod. That would be lovely of you. Lost Terminal will return next week. <laughs>